Podwalkers, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Uh, today, we are, are coming back to bring you parts two, and maybe part one and two of part two, of going through the Commander Legends. Legends. Um, we did this, uh, I think, a few episodes ago was our, our most recent posting of this, but uh, the, the set Commander Legends had a very large number of legends between the partners and the non-partners and the command i mean i guess there was a couple planeswalkers in there too and it was it was great for the commander format it's got a lot of cool stuff but for our podcast more importantly it's got a lot of cool story because uh wizards of the coast um via ari zrulkin oh my goodness zrulnik i am so sorry i don't know how to pronounce your last name i believe it's zrulnik zrulnik thank you i think that's that's what i believe so and and ethan fleischer um, wrote two articles that went through um, all the legends in this set. Now, if you're looking at it historically, the split is a little weird. The, the, the way they did the split was the first article was just everything that had been revealed at that point because it was before the set came out. The second article is just everything else. Um, and I think we'll, we'll throw the link to this in our, our uh, notes. And this actually, this second article has a link to the first so you can have access to all of it. But this is great. Like, I love... We talked a little bit last last time, so I don't want to go too deep into it. But I, I, this is a step in the right direction, I feel, for, for the story. Um, I, there's been some large missteps, but I, I really like this approach where there's little paragraphs, especially for a set like this that has characters from all over the place, new planes, planes we've been to a lot, everything in between. And this is really nice to have little bits of story about all these characters and at least, you know, for us, it's fun to speculate because this is giving us little kernels, you know, toward the future potentially and and some new things that may be coming down the line. Yeah. We talked last time that one of the cool things about this was we got little blurbs. We got little quick hits, which um, were very well done in terms of giving us information about kind of characters that we had seen before and things that we kind of, yeah, like uh, just people throughout the history that came into this set. That this set was not only we we said this in the last episode, a Commander Legends set, where it was this kind of new idea of how to do Commander in a limited format, kind of this idea of almost dra- you drafted Commander, and so it had a lot of just mechanical cool stuff in it, a lot of new cards. They also spent a lot of time really focusing on the lore, which is just great and it's just amazing that we got that much focus kind of on the lore itself yep so we we're we're gonna go into that we're gonna talk through we're not gonna hit everyone but we'll hit probably most of them basically Hobbs and i are just gonna start at the top and go through all of them that one or the other of us have things to talk about Um, but before we dig into that too much i just want to go back to the last episode a little bit and talk about Belby real quick. Um, and, and I think you Cobbs, you can go into a little more specifics with this, but the, the, the crux of it was you and I didn't really know a whole lot about her story. And someone kind of called us out on that because she was the main character. In yes. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, we had gotten contacted by somebody else who had kind of another Vorthos person. Uh, just to let us know, you know, like, like they thought that we kind of made a little bit of a misstep, which is kind of, I, I mean, I don't think necessarily a misstep, but just we could have given more to Belby, given that yeah. Belby was a lot more important to the story. We kind of talked about her um, briefly with what we knew, but not really focusing on the fact that, like, she was a major part of this, of it, like the nemesis or... Nemesis story, yeah. And let me correct myself. Not necessarily called us out, but let's it pointed this out to us. Um, which, and thank you. Like, we really appreciate 
getting that, getting feedback from that when people think that we made mistakes or there's just things that we missed, you know, just point it out. We, we love, we love getting that. So we really appreciate that. And yeah, so Bilby was huge uh, and apparently was like the main character of the book. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the magic novels I haven't read. Um, I think I, I mentioned in, in the cast is the, po- the possibility that Bilby was a character that was kind of created by the the story people after the set was made and and he upon hearing like that Bilby was the main character of the book and that wasn't in she wasn't in the set but she did have that vertical cycle of cards a common and uncommon and a rare that had her name in them so it's like Bilby's armor Bilby's percher uh, Bilby's gate so it's like I think or Bilby's portal excuse me that kind of helps my uh, gives some credence to my suspicions that um, especially at that time because Nemesis was late nineties. It was a while ago, early two thousands. Um, the set sets back then they made the cards and then wrote the story later. And so as they're writing the story, if a character, either they make a new character or they have a character who is from somewhere else and suddenly has become prominent in this story, mm-hmm. it's too, it's too late for them to put a card in the set. Um, so I think they must have, too late in the story or too late in the development of this new okay Belby's going to be important but we can't fit her in the set now so we want to put her in there somehow and then by they did that by there may have been flavor text i'm not sure about that but then by putting those three cards and saying okay these are part of what Belby does and part of who Belby is to at least put her name out there for the players to see and even though yeah we didn't get a card and like i said didn't I mean, this can kind of show, you know, how long it's been since we've read some of these or, or the, yeah. some of the story. And then um, and that's why we always do appreciate and we acknowledge that, you mm-hmm. know, if we have gaps in the lore, we're missing. Like, we really do appreciate when people do reach out to kind of let us know this. And that was one thing yep. we really wanted to kind of say was, you know, like, thank you to the person for kind of taking that time. And it, it also helps to showcase, like, why these sets are so cool, because they've done this with the commander decks occasionally, too. Um, these days, the story and the the development, I think there's a little bit of a gap like that, but the gap is much, much smaller. So it's much easier for them to get your Lucas in the story. It's much easier for them to get your main characters have cards in the, in the set and show up in the storylines. But that wasn't always the case. That wasn't the case for a long time. And so having sets like this that aren't on a specific plane, that aren't at a specific time, especially are engineered towards commander players who usually have been playing for longer. They always have access to a larger card pool. It's really cool. It's a good vehicle for wizards to say, hey, Belby was an important character. She, in this period of time, she did these things and she was really important to the lore. Now we can represent her in a card. Yeah, and I mean, I think that this is one of those things that has been nice about kind of seeing supplemental sets. And, and I mean, and honestly, let's say the, just the format of Commander, which I think really is pushed to allow for more creativity and more flexibility or more ways to get these old characters in. Because we talked about this before that, you know, in, without going back to certain planes and, and we really haven't been following, it's like the, the storylines ended for most of these. Mm-hmm. It would be difficult to get these characters back. There yep. really wasn't an avenue until we started getting these master sets or these or more of these supplemental sets like mm-hmm. Commander. And then like Commander Legends just kind of blew it out of the water yeah. because, you know, when it was announced, it was kind of this scary idea of like, we're going to add so many new legends to the game. And mm-hmm. I don't think any of us knew 
just how deep they were going to go into lore when they did this. Yeah, no, it's it's great. I mean, in times it's it, it felt a lot like Time Spiral, which I talk about a lot because it was it was my favorite set. But Time Spiral right. was able to do a lot of that because of the structure of it, where it was about mm-hmm. the past, and so they were able to bring people from Dominaria's past into the present, quote unquote, through cards. But this allows them to not have to do wonky things with the story of like the actual current storyline. Um, it, it allows them to bring a commander has, did this where you had like planeswalkers who are dead, but now they can make a planeswalker card for them because mm-hmm. it's not set in a specific time. You have, um, or, or character. you mean, we also had kind of the situation like this, this was modern um, horizons, but anytime they've been able to get new things in, you were able to get Urza as a character, yeah, not right. even as a planeswalker That's card. True. We have the, the unset, but they actually gave a card to like Yagma yeah, and, and, and like uh, we got those characters in because yep. they were represented the same thing, like you said, like card art. There had been card art of Urza. We knew he yep. was the blind seer, but there really wasn't a you like represent him yes. at that time in a card because he just the game isn't structured to fit that. That's why they didn't have planeswalkers for so long. Um, and they kind of had to wink and nod a little bit for how the planeswalkers work, especially now that that planeswalkers are much more limited power set in the story. It, it, it fits that you can have, you know, a Johnny show up, help you out for a little while, and then leave. Uh, but also, we had card a card in the last set, and there may be one in this one too, but I can't remember. But from the the old Tarkir, which was like Marty McFly'd away, like that timeline, the original timeline in the cons of Tarkir set is gone it's rewritten His, that history doesn't exist but we can still have a card from that history from that timeline in a set like this and that's why i love these sets and i'm really glad they decided to do the story like this to really to give the vorthos side of the community the same thing that the actual like playing side of the community gets with all of these cards do we have yeah. any more general things to say or do we want to get into no, I think getting, getting in, but I mean, I think that's a very, I think it's a very, very good um, overview, kind of why this was important to us. You know, this, when we did this part one of this, and you can go back and listen, um, it, it really was kind of this, we had moved, you know, our Lord was a lot shallower. We were kind of using frameworks, which is, and, or more community-based aspects, because we had had frustrations with the story. And we talked about this a lot in part one, you know, the missteps that we had seen and, and we had said at that point, like we wanted to see some changes and this is an area where we have. Yeah. And it's, it's something we would like to be able to get back to talking about current story of magic. There hasn't been a lot is part of it, but also there's been issues there. And, and if there are going to continue to be issues, we do not want to bring those to our cast. So we'll, we'll continue to have some distance there, but hopefully the signs are, hopeful that we're, we're moving away from that and that we'll be able to start to incorporate that more actively than we have been. Okay. So I kind of don't want to talk about the first one. Do you want to talk about the first one or can we skip it? Yes, I do want to talk about this first one uh, because I do think that it, this is just for a different reason than I think uh, how it is as a character, but the, it's more to do with the art. So Abomination of Lanoir is a collection of elf horrors. So they're all kind of stuck together. And um, if, if anybody knows kind of legacy decks or decks that are based on elves, they have been in the past been called <laughs> Elf Ball. 
<laughs> because it was like the idea of it. And, and this is literally an elf ball. It is a ball of elks. So okay. that is the only reason I really want to talk about it because I love the idea of it's like a single elf escaped. Um, and then like, like, which is, you know, we're Lanoir. We're now talking about Lanoir elf. We're in that area. So this is why I really wanted to at least mention it is because it is a elf ball and it allows you yeah. and it's based on the number of elves you control, but also the elves in your graveyard. So that was all I really had to say about the first one. Okay. That's really cool. Um, that is, yeah, I hadn't thought of that connection where they're kind of making a card based off of a joke from the 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 nickname for that that elf yeah nickname for a deck from the community which is just kind of a cool nod once again like that's cool i i kind of actively didn't want to talk about it because i kind of actively don't want to think about it because it is horrifying the flavor text in particular on it just makes me like not want to not want to give it headspace whenever i can Run screamed its living mouths. Come cried its dead ones. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm well, sorry, it, it's it, a horror. It's it, it, it's, over, horror. It's, it's a little bit. What was that that horror movie with the alien thing in Antarctica? That, like, oh, sort of oh, the thing, thing. thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With I Kurt Russell, pieces of that movie. I have oh, not seen the whole thing. A good movie. Yeah. I, this is a whole other thing. I'm so glad we're tangenting on the very first one. So it's perfect for our cast, but it's like, I, as a genre, try to avoid horror movies because I have an overactive imagination and I don't need to give it more fuel to horrify myself with. And, and, but that's a movie that I, I accidentally saw parts of. And so seeing this makes me think of that, which is why I try to avoid thinking about this particular card. (laughs) <laughs> makes me so happy that i'm just like you're like yeah we'll just, we'll just move on nope <laughs> okay so then the next one because i i just get happy talking about this particular mechanical thing which we don't get to talk about on this cast a lot so ac tyrant of gyre straight it's a blue green land card <laughs> wow what love a- land. <laughs> <So much. laughs> it's 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 tatiova with like being able to play an extra card in a bigger body yeah yeah, yeah, it's it makes me happy every time I get more cards that deal with lands, especially commanders, so that I can build more land commander decks. Also, See, and then on my side, I'm like, oh, it's another blue green commander that plays <laughs> lands and draws cards. Yeah, it's <laughs> exactly. It, it's there's nothing terribly original there, but I saw the word land. I was like, yeah, I'm happy. But then reading the story, like there is actually something kind of interesting here. I mean, the story's neat. If you like see monsters, this is really cool. What I love is it just starts right here on a distant ocean covered plain where monstrous creatures rule the seas that we may never see it, but I love, and it is kind of like, um, Oh wow. I've, I have forgotten all the names for all the things there. <laughs> here's the, the, one of the first casual formats that has the planar die and you roll it and you go to a different plane that has the planar deck. Plane chase. That's plane chase. There we go. <laughs> the one where you go, go from plane to plane. Yeah, that's the one. So like, it's kind of like that. This set has a little piece of that from a flavor standpoint where it's introducing lots of places the game has never been and kind of teasing you as to places where it could go and where it may never go. I mean, Future Sight did that too. As you can tell. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. We're, we still is, don't know where wearing, is from. This is wearing grooves in the same places that I'm really happy and excited about. So it's it's this it's a similar thing for me, but 
that's why I wanted to kind of note this too, because it's there's a number of new planes that are sort of previewed or promoted or we get little glimpses of, and we may not ever see all of them. But I mean, the commander deck a couple years ago that did the four colors gave us Saskia, who was our first glimpse of a sort of Viking world. And now we're getting the previews for that coming up in, in January release. Yep. So yep. it's, it's fun to kind of see these things and think about which, you know, which of these may come back and which of them maybe we won't see, but just wanted or to might not see from a long time. And I think that's cool. So um, the next card is a chroma. It's another version of a chroma, which is kind of cool because now a chroma joins kind of uh, the list of characters that have multiple versions of uh, their legendary. So this is her third legendary card because um, we got her kind of a we got her in planar chaos when she was shifted over to red, and then um, this is back in white. It's interesting because it's it's basically a chroma is a vision of Ixidor. So we get two characters being pulled up here. And it gives us a time frame kind of for when this Akroma is. Yep. Which is, again, is, is kind of neat. Um, and it's, it's like we've re revisited that story a little bit um, in the mm -hmm. last episode because we talked about Kamal um, and, and his sister who has a history with Akroma. Um, yep. Well, that, that's kind of where the story is here that we do get is kind yeah. of, uh, you know, um, Ixidor's love, Nivea, was killed by Phage. And we kind of know that uh, Jessica basically has all of these rebirths and kind of uh, mm -hmm. different versions. We talked about that as the Thrice Reborn last time. And so uh, he, he could turn his dreams into reality, and he could even create living creatures. Yeah, that's Ixidor. And Ixidor created a, a Chroma, a battle angel, which is just really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's and that's there's a lot of story there, and so that's that's a fun thing if you're interested to to go explore. And the card, I mean, is pricey at seven mana, but like lots of keywords, which is kind of a fun thing that White is doing these days, where it's just keyword soup. I don't know, that's a thing mechanically that just appeals to me. So, like you mentioned, a chroma with that keyword soup kind of thing, and not only is it kind of a thing, like you said, that white does, but what's interesting about it is it is also something that a chroma is known for. So from day one, a chroma had like three abilities and protections. And so this gives flying, first strike, vigilance, trample. And then when she attacks, you're able to basically, if a creature for each keyword that they have gets plus one, plus one for each of those keywords. So, I mean, you could easily just like get her you I mean this is a commander that you could use for commander damage to one shot somebody or to two shot maybe at, at worse um we also talked about the fact that you can pair her with the zero mana kobold from last time morgrok or whatever yes. the name is yeah <laughs> and so because he's got like three keywords for zero yep. <laughs> and he now is like a three three double striker just right off the bat yep so yeah that was all i wanted to say is that the, the word soup, like you said, is kind of becoming a thing for white. Um, being able to use those abilities, I mean, that's become a lot more popular in Commander with, like, Odric. Mm -hmm. um, you pair this with something like Odric, and, produce, and now all of your characters have this. And with the Chroma, they all get buffs for having that. Yep. So it, it's just kind of a cool thing, but it also is a nod back to where a Chroma has been. Um, in Planar Chaos, she was like pro blue and red so it was like a flip from her white version but it's just it's a nice nod too. 
but yes, let's Alharu is somebody that we wanted to definitely talk about. Yes. Um, so stuck. So Alharu, um, a couple of things here. The, uh, their story I think is really cool. Um, this is just Alharu is a, a solemn ritualist is their title, uh, a human monk and talking about um, at a young age, they heard ghosts and that's just, just a thing that then eventually they learn that these are the spirits, excuse me, that um, these spirits weren't actually meaning any harm to anyone. They just wanted to pass on. So Haru sort of devoted themselves to learning rituals and different ways to help the dead move on. And just from a story standpoint, like I'm really fascinated by that. I really enjoy that. Um, I think as I was mentioning before the cast to, to Hobbes, that might go back to when I, as a, as a younger child or middle child i guess i don't really know how old i was when disney's uh, uh disney's um hercules came out but when i learned like just how badly they treated uh hades like making him an analog for like the, the christian devil because i think that's what that's the lens that they're seeing yeah i mean it's like that's know. how they're treating the uh and, afterlife yes and so that's kind of i realized when I realized how what like disservice that was doing to characters in multiple um, different cultures and, and types of stories, that there was this idea, this this Christian filter that was turning like deities or powers of of the the dead into like the bad evil, and that's just so bad. It's such a disservice. It's so terrible because in a lot of those, I mean, not, and not going to be all, but in, in many of those, there's, there's this, this helping the dead move on as, as a pursuit, as a thing that is not altruistic. I don't know if the, the right word exactly, but is a important part of the cycle of life and death. And in, in different places, it's it, the importance and what it does and things is different, but it's this idea that that whole thing was lost in this translation. And so anytime I see storylines talking about, you know, interacting with spirits, interacting with the dead, and they aren't in dark and evil and maligned ways, or even like, shady things thing that are that a little you know squint at like this is just pure just trying to help people move on trying to help yeah. these spirits move on yeah these like these spirits that are stuck and the idea is like you bring you know it's like a journey almost and i mean think you talk about with with hades there's you know in that mythology there's the and i and i'm now going to apologize if i'm mixing up greek and roman but uh, you know, it's down the river Styx, and it's a journey into the the underworld. Um, it's a journey into, and, and it, like I said, it doesn't mean hell. I mean, it, it can be torturous. It can be, but it is that journey onward and kind of passing that idea. And I really like that idea too. Um, the other thing here that we, that's kind of important when it comes to starting this ways to have representation and the idea that representation matters. And we're seeing how this is coming up in Caldine with there's a, a non-binary uh, uh, planeswalker. And that was kind of a big deal. It was announced just kind of this past week that with the preview that there's a non-binary planeswalker. Well, Alharu is actually identified as only they in the text here. Yeah. So Yeah. And, and also an important uh, facet for, for both Nico and Alharu is that they are humans that this 
there are lots of different races and lots of different peoples and it's fun to have these fantasy worlds with different types of creatures that have different representations of all sorts of cultural things including gender but it's a very important piece of representation to have actual humans representing they uh, pronouns representing you know various genders because the people who play this game are humans and being able to actually see yourself as a human represented by a human is very important well i mean there's one thing that we kind of talked a little bit about well i mean sorry i guess we haven't talked a little bit about but um it's been talked about the fact that uh like you have um ashiok was initially seen as kind of thought to be kind of non-binary yes well and Um, ashiok specifically does not have pronouns pronouns. which like and there was a lot of debate about whether that was originally supposed to be a more non-binary if and so this is kind of the clear like you said this is yes i mean they them you have the aetherborn on kaladesh or Mm -hmm. they them but again like aetherborn are this fantasy race and you know there are non-binary people and there are people who aren't necessarily non-binary who also use they them pronouns and they're real people who are actual humans and not fantasy creatures and so it like i said it's it's nice to have this is a fantasy world and it's fun to have these different fantasy creatures and elements that do different things but also it's just important to have humans also representing those things Yeah, I think that that is. I like I like that idea that it is like you said, it's humans, and this that is for some people that's how you're going to really see yourself in the game. And we talked about this on our episode with Ellie that the the importance of just seeing yourself in the game cannot be understated. Yeah, and um, yeah, right. Um, oh, overstated. Un- yeah, yeah, it can't be overstated. Can't be overstated. One of the directions, and I had the incorrect one to begin with. Of course, that makes yes. sense. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Say so it certainly can be understated, unfortunately. <laughs> right, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, next we have Anara, the Wolved Familiar. In my notes, the Wolf Beast. Yeah, I just have written Anara Pupper Familiar. <laughs> um, I think it's funny. Like, so they they made one familiar of every color, and I mentioned this in in the last guest too, where there were in. Uh, plane shift the middle set of the invasion block that was the last time they did something like familiars and those there was one for each color and they made your spells of their two allied colors cheaper so the white one was a wall that made your blue and your green spells cheaper which was kind of cool like it's it's a fun flavor that's a fantasy trope that's been around forever dnd does it all sorts of other things do it where you have the the familiars for your wizards your familiars for your witches for various people of magic persuasion have you know a cat or a whatever that helps them with their spells or it's just their companion so it's really cool when they did the partner mechanic that they're like this is a good place to represent this concept again to have these familiars so that and this is a this is a place where partner um, is kind of not the best <laughs> for flavor wise because you can do some weird combinations that don't work flavor wise but this is a good vorthos flavor positive way to use partners to have sort of a familiar with you know somebody some caster or something and now that i think about it mechanically it's also really interesting because that familiar is giving the 
you know, the, the, the caster access to magic they wouldn't otherwise be able to use in some cases, which yep. is kind of what a familiar generally does is it kind of is you didn't necessarily study it. You have this with you. And once again, we like this idea. Well, we talked about this last time with kind of almost that the, the Melthos kind of um, way to approach this where we're looking at um, the partner mechanic being able to allow us to do certain things story-wise. And, and there's ways that it, it doesn't work. We talked about last time, you know, like, because we've used partner with and partner as two different mechanics. So partner with would be a very specific partnering, and which wouldn't make sense. We talked about with like Malcolm and Breaches or Kamal and Jessica. Um, whereas now they could partner with others. <laughs> you could have Jessica and Akroma. That's a weird right. company. Right. Like, so you can because of the way the partner is. So yeah. it's that it's that cool line where uh, the idea is there. Um, and we talked about uh, like the two women from Innistrad and being mm-hmm. able to like, and so like they could partner, but it, it was kind of weird because they're they're supposed to be like partners. Literally, that's how they're yeah, described. They're and yet partners. they're not able to actually you like they can partner with other things or people yeah. or creatures. Yeah, using, yeah same, using that same mechanic, they can partner with other things and it, it kind of loses some of that that flavor. But so some of it is kind of in the eye of the beholder in the how you execute on it and how you use it. But I do want to actually talk about Anara. Well, kind of. So Anara being a wolf familiar, um, it talks about, you know, the last thing a hunter wants to do is be outdone, but if you team up with Anara, you'll get, you know, if you can swallow your pride and accept her help, you'll find yourself with a bounty of slain beasts and your enemies dead before you. But this is what I love. All she wants in return is a, um, is a cut of the return, a cut to return to her den, someone to have her back in combat, and the occasional scratches around the antlers. <laughs> scratches around the antlers, like you said. Anara, yeah, Anara is just this glorious antlered wolf and it's and it's amazing jesper is that jesper art yes yeah just, just beautiful art yeah. and yeah everybody yeah. everybody deserves a a pupper <laughs> we are, it's i think the pupper ones are the ones we definitely give a lot more attention to yeah uh, so next we have arami who is of the dead tide which gives us another merfolk um mm-hmm. so kind of cool it gives us a uh blue black merfolk wizard to get to be able to use as a commander yeah Has... i didn't have a ton ton to say about um yeah I mean, this does seem like uh it gives us a pirate world at least the kind of the, the 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 setting that we have yeah kind of a pirate world kind of a like dark turn on the little mermaid story where she finds some humans to hang out with but oh no they were actually pirates so they attack her homeland and killer people and steal stuff and so then she just turns to necromancy to it's like as a you very do dark it's version like, of that yeah, story. It's a dark version which i mean is actually funny when we're talking about fairy tales because a lot of them are much darker than what we know about them yeah um, a lot of grim's fairy tales actually have very dark endings um disney this is the disneyified kind of world that we can talk about so um, yeah, they, they, this actually is very much in line with kind of like, we saw this a little bit with Eldraine, but kind of that fairy tales turned um, or darker endings. But we know that um, Arami is also on a uh, pirate world. So potentially Ixalan is the only one that we know of so far, but yeah, there's always potential that it's somewhere else because we also have Ramirez. So yeah. <laughs> we know there's pirates. <laughs> yes. Where there are oceans, there are likely pirates. And we, like, we know there's an ocean world. Who knows? 
an all merfolk plane. Yeah, well, that now, that's true. If it is an all ocean plane, there likely aren't like human pirates because they have to have land somewhere to have started. But who knows? Maybe, we maybe don't know. They were, maybe they were planted there by you know planeswalkers summoning them on accident because that's a thing that we now have like confirmed in story with Bender, uh, Baron Sengir. Yeah. Shoot, we just brought something else in. <laughs> yep. Uh, Archelos, the Lagoon Mystic. Uh, this is just, I, I want to talk, it's, it's a Turtle Shaman, and this yes. art is fantastic, and this card itself from a gameplay perspective it's is a lot of fun. Um, I've played some games um, yeah. behind it, with it, and it's just, it's very interesting to like, you know, you can leave Archelos untapped as almost a political thing to see if you, if people want to, you know, to let people be able to bring things in untapped, but I've also seen it where you can then almost use like an amulet of vigor where you bring in like the Ravnican uh, oh, land, the bounce lands and like, or Karu lands as they, they've been called, but you know, mm -hmm. tap them for two and then return them to your hand. So you can mm -hmm. do the cool stuff that you could do shenanigans wise with it, okay. but also it has amazing flavor text. Yes. It's the best use of ellipses. Maybe it wins for best use of ellipses on a magic <laughs> card. Cause it just says life is not a race and we all i think kind of know where this is heading but it's awesome this is great yes yeah, so we'll, yeah go ahead uh we'll circle back uh to Arcalosa later in the article i'm sure but i want to talk about some i want to tangent hard well not terribly hard but i'm going to talk about a card that we weren't going to talk about in this but that's in commander legends that just occurred to me and i this is my forum with in which to <laughs> to talk about these things. So you talk about the bounce lands, the Ravnica bounce lands. So those were all from Ravnica. They're the original Ravnica block. And, you know, we love them. They, they're staples in Commander. Well, this set gave us a colorless land that does that, which A, I'm excited about because I have Kozilek deck. So that goes straight in my Kozilek deck. Or I should say went straight in my Kozilek deck. It's already in there. But I don't know if you noticed, it's called like Guildless Commons. Yep. That land takes place on Ravnica, just yeah, like yeah. the other 10 bounce lands. And it was just yeah. such a cool little thing where they're just like, yeah, we're going to go back to the same plane. And we're going to, especially, I also like the reference to the guild list because we kind of didn't, we were talking about that in the uh, return. Oh, we, talk, and we talked a lot about the guild, yeah. the guild list. And, yeah. and we didn't get them in the return to return to Ravnica block. And like, that's what we were hoping to see some, some evolution of that story. And we actually now, now our, our most recent reference to it is this set. And I just thought that was really cool how they not only gave us that because they're like, Hey, this is a thing that's kind of missing from commander. Let's mm -hmm. fill this in, but let's make sure we flavor it on that same plane that these other ones were in. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. You just took a hard left turn. <laughs> I was, I was totally completely ready to just talk about the, the the tortoise and the hare references. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I thought and... we were gonna come back to the tortoise and hare reference, but we can talk about them now if we. Want. <laughs> I mean, we're here. I did oh. the flavor text. I used ellipses. But I mean, the hare's coming up. We could come back to this. That's true. We'll come back to the race. Okay. Just know the race is on. Just remember, slow and steady. It's that's slow. it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you can, listeners, you can tell just how much we prepare for some of our uh, podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we had plans. We had plans. I mean, 
in fairness, there are some that we script out a little more because there's like specific things we want to talk about. And then there's ones like this where I started making my notes five minutes after we were going to start recording and I'm still only halfway through them. Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> Hopefully this is, this is entertaining this is, and it's not just us like is, la- laughing at each a- other limping our way to 100 episodes in some ways so yeah, and it's i think i, I hope everybody it. understands it's the end of 2020 we're just we're just trying to get through it. we're just trying to get through it's a holiday week we just we're trying to survive people <laughs> so yeah let's keep going then right. let's push through um i um, want to talk about our mix do you want to talk about arden i mean arden no there's not for me there's not a ton arden I mean, brings us back to zendikar um there's not really a lot here that yeah, for me. I, I will say Arden does have a kick-ass title. Arden, intrepid archaeologist. Yeah, I'm, and so I'm here for that. yeah, and that's like a cool. We get uh, another. We talked. We've talked about this. Occupations is a cool thing to kind of look at. Um, and the ability itself is pretty good. Um, so I know like you know like this is one that people like playing. Like I have the Sir Gwen deck. Like things like this are pretty good because you can move equipment and auras for free. Um. I mean, yeah. I think I think my my this is this is up there. Maybe not doesn't probably dethrone it, but it's up there with my favorite like sort of titles. Um also from this world where you have the uh one of the one of Kozilek's brood just called Warden of Geometries. Like <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I think it's amazing. <laughs> right. I don't know what it means, and I don't know if I want to. Uh Armex, filigree <laughs> thrasher. So this was a card that I think is really interesting flavor-wise, kind of looking at this. So this is a artifact creature legend. Um, it's it's one of the, like, Esper uh, from Alara, like, artifacts, color artifacts. Um, but it's talking about how Brea, who actually was from the four-color commander decks, uh, found some Carmite, this, this redstone that's part of, of what they need to make new Ethereum, which Esper as a plane, didn't have. I should back up just one step for people who aren't familiar with Alara's story. Mm-hmm. Alara was originally, well, not originally, at some point Alara was broken into five planes that weren't really connected to each other, um, each one being a shard. So it was a three-color thing. So Alara, uh, so Esper was blue, black, white, and there was no green and there was no red mana present. And so it, it, that... I didn't. I wasn't playing then, but it was to me like looking back at it was a super interesting exploration of the color pie because it's like what would happen in a world where these two aspects are gone, and how would that change things? Well, then through the storyline, you know, our favorite frenemy Bolus decided to smash them together, and yeah. so now these five. He was, to, oh, he was he was trying to help. He was trying yes. to bring harmony to the to the plane. So these these five worlds are sort of one world, and now trying to like deal with the consequences so brea was one of our first four color legends um she was esper plus red because she went to jund which was green red black and found this red stone and can start making ethereum because this was a thing that they used to like rebuild their bodies and it's a whole thing if you're interested in it it's cool go 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 look into that but part of the story for armex is she found this and so she wanted to test her hypothesis and she built this golem named armex out of this new Ethereum. Um, and Armex, however, uh, over time became violent and unpredictable. Um, the, the Ethereum contained a wild power previously unseen on Esper. 
And A, I think that's really cool because it came from Jund. <laughs> like that was kind of the point of Jund is a world without white and a world without blue. This is this is like the extreme survival of the fittest to the extreme. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that is kind of what's what they're getting at here, that this was because of that Jund has affected the Ethereum that she made from that. And so there's some aspect coming through. And it says, while Armax was still loyal and followed orders, it carried out its instructions in a brutal and reckless manner. But this last sentence is what I really want to talk about, because we talk about setting things up for future story. Uh, it says, Brea was pleased with the results, however, and decided it was time for her own noble work to begin. And let's let's highlight noble work is capitalized here. <laughs> yes. So, you know, if you want to look at grammar and, and punctuation, the reason we do things like that, that that is actually telling. And that's part of, and it references up here. And I think this was probably part of the stuff that was going on in Esper, because in Esper, being there was no green, being is there was what else was missing, red. So that's you know, color of emotions, the color of sort of nature, like they were rebuilding themselves into these ethereum things and you look at like like Berea has this mechanical arm and she's like a lot of her is robotic, which is i mean like it's sweet art but this so this idea that she is starting her own noble work that is going to be probably changed from what esper's original noble work concept was because now she has access to this ethereum that is also different and it's and it, it, it leads to some curious you know interesting story potentials if we ever come back to Alar, which I think this is suggesting we will, and that Brea may be a part of it. Because if she found, you know, Ethereum in, in Jund, maybe she goes, maybe there's something about a war with Jund, maybe she goes to some of the other shards and tries to find Ethereum there that's affected by those shard philosophies. And then and, pull into the, you know, and it could be that you know, she's trying to get this to, <clears throat> with this awareness is it now become five color. Yeah, and start to but it start to incorporate those shard philosophies yeah. into what she's doing. There's a lot of little possibilities, and I'll be perfectly honest: the card Armex doesn't do a whole lot for me personally. It's not terribly interesting from from what it does mechanically. Mechanical, yeah, it's, it's the yeah. story is like this is really cool to me. Yeah, I mean it's it's really cool art. Um, and yeah. I'll oh, say yeah. this on those like if you look at the scene in person, etched foils look amazing. Um, yes. I got an etched foil of this, and this is absolutely beautiful. So I mean, even just the the like static image next to it that that looks yeah. really good with the steel side, which kind of really fits the flavor of it being this artifact creature too. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I yes, I did like you said it being a golem. It's cool art, but more importantly, I think it is the story set up potential mm -hmm. that we have. So um, Averna is just, I, Averna, I, Averna has a very brief kind mm -hmm. of uh, elemental shaman. Yep. Once again, this set had fantastic art in general. Oh I mean, God. but I got, I got an etched foil of this one and it is gorgeous. Yeah. And yes. And they, they look, I thought they looked good. And then I saw them in person and they're just so much better, but this set had yeah. so much good art. Oh. And I think is that's it, one thing about Averna. Yes, and as a, as a random aside, I'll say I'm a person who does not really like foils, um, both because they curl and just in general, like lots of shiny, is just doesn't doesn't always do it for me. But like I really like these etched foils, and the last time I looked, which was a couple weeks ago, they were a bunch of them were were surprisingly cheap. So I may end up like actually for the first time in my life specifically picking up some foil cards for. for some yeah, time. and I will say that. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is one of those random things. I, I got like a, a one of the collector's packs to support a store, and um, unfortunately, like the foils are, are curling worse than oh, I, like, I had even remembered. Like they're like unplayable. Ten or fifteen minutes after, yeah, <laughs> like this thing curl over the one of them curl over the course of a day, and it was like it took less than twenty four hours for it yeah, to be like shell game curled. The etch don't, and that's the etch because of the not word. at all. Yeah. Which, which is, is part of why I just love weird, them. Also really nice looking. I kind of wish they would. Averna is kind of fun. It's right. a cascade centric card. It does something. I kind of wish they would. I've never seen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So as you yeah. cascade, you so, may put a land from among the so exiles that's, that's, cards on the card. battlefield tap. So it's like just like free value. Yeah. I got nothing else. Mm-hmm. And those are just colors. <laughs> Blue, green, red are colors that I like. I've never really built a deck. Yeah. So I'll probably build a Verna at some point, but that's not terribly. I was going to say, I, I thought you'd be excited. It's it's lands. Oh, I'm super it's, excited about the card. You could cascade. Yeah. Yeah. I love cascading. <laughs> I love lands. It's it, I'm super excited about the card, but just kind of flavor story-wise, there isn't a ton to go. I mean, we'll see. It's kind of an interesting thing with elementals and... Um, it's multiple affinity give it enhanced connection to nature we don't know where this is exactly i mean alara could be a suggestion because that's where cascade came from but there isn't any specific reference to a plane so this could kind yeah, of this be where if we're talking wedges versus shards this is going to get real like oh. alara i mean it, Ooh, yeah let's what just... if that is the thing in when they go back to alara and there's there's wedges there because they did say okay Taking, taking more tangents, um, uh, Mark Rosewater did say that one of his kind of regrets with cons, he thought that this, the block did well overall, but one of his regrets was that the cons of Tarkir side of the story was the more interesting one, both story-wise and color-wise, because it was the, the wedges. And then that got overwritten, overwritten by a world that's just like allied color pairs, which we've had since Legends. <laughs> like, it's a thing that's been around forever. And so he did kind of like lament that he's like, you know, the wedge design is smaller than you think. And so there isn't a ton, but it would have been nice to still kind of have this to do. And, and that would be interesting if they decide to do like a one-off, especially now that we have blocks that aren't three sets. Cause I think he was saying it would be really hard to do three sets. That's wedge design, but like a one-off return to a Lara they could do as a wedge set and that would be really sweet and that we're saying we're using terminology so so the shards is one color and it's allies so it's two colors next to it um a wedge is one color and it's two enemies so it looks like a little wedge if you're looking at the the color Color pie pie on the back of the magic card yeah and um and you know i don't really remember where you know and a lot of these have been superseded by the fact that like they'll be named kind of as we've talked about with um their specific thing, but but like shards, literally the terminology came from the set shards of Alara. Yes, which was the first time that we started getting names for kind of. Yep, and wedge came, I think, because it looks like a wedge of cheese. Right, which is okay. <laughs> we'll take that. I mean, because I think they're yeah, but it's just funny because one has an actual in-game name to it. <laughs> yes, and then because it, I think because it had an in-game name, the community like nature abhors a vacuum. Communities abhor a vacuum of terminology or really people because we want to talk about things because we love to talk and so we had to have come up with a term for it and the best we could come up with was wedge and i i I wonder 
if that was a, a situation where wizards uh, learned a lesson that the community will come up with a term if you don't. And so I, th- I think they so have- If you want to come up with the term, you better do it. <laughs> yeah, you better, you better make the term beforehand, get ahead of it and uh, give us a term that we can use and agree on together. Otherwise we're going to come up with something random and you're just going to be stuck with it. I just realized we're literally just now leaving the letter A. Oh my God. There I, were a lot of A's, but I we, think, we, yeah. Yeah, and I, th- I think this is also emblematic of the fact that you and I are just like needed this as a release. So I know, like just even recording together. Um, it's, it's been a little while. I mean, we got it back on, which was nice, but also yeah. it means it we does make it. Yeah. Well, so we, we're going to return to Ravnica. Yes. Because so, we, we love Ravnica. Um, also, one of the greatest sentences in this entire article. Yes. So. Uh, so we have Bell Borka, who is Spectral Sergeant, who basically, so um, Argus Coast, who is from, uh, first you know, he, the very first Ravnica, he's a hero of the Boros Legion. Mm-hmm. Um, but we learned that he was a, he was a washed up has-been. Yep. <laughs> and, and that the, but, but like the Boros Legion is understaffed, which is just yeah. so perfect for everything we know about <laughs> Boros and <laughs> just. Yeah, he, they wouldn't let him retire. Basically, yeah. well, and I love that the same thing kind of happened with Bell Borka. It's like uh, he he didn't ask to be blown up by an assassin's bomb, but he was hardly the only one. Bell Borka <laughs> did sign an Orzov life insurance contract that brought him back as a ghost to seek justice for his death. Um, which, by the way, that was all too typical of death on Ravnica. <laughs> but also, like it annoyed Argus, yeah. Yeah. like <laughs> just annoyed him. But yeah, then like, the, the best sentence, Belborka didn't ask to be the only Wojek to solve his own murder, but he did. It's in his service record. <laughs> it's just like, I love it. It's, it's very Boros. It's very Boros, especially because he's a spirit soldier. So he yeah. solved his own murder and then just went back to work. Just like going back to work. <laughs> and I, I also love this idea that we, we have the like signing of an Orzov life insurance contract. Like, yes. Which we already have talked about, like death doesn't really start stop your debts to the um, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's just it's it's kind of funny, it's kind of cool, but it also gives us a bunch of these little glimpses into life on Ravnica, which is again is is so cool. That's why these these stories and these articles are are so fun. <laughs> yeah, I like that one a lot. Yeah. Um, Captain Vargas Wrath is. Uh, is gives this good we know that pirates was a huge theme in this set mm-hmm. and they wanted you know it's really the blue red kind of archetype is pirates um because like i said this was a limited set the commander legends is was meant to be drafted now you know, this is the sad world of 2020 that <laughs> we saw this with mystery boosters which is a shame um you know that there was these there, there was a lot of product that really was meant to be played in limited and yeah. really tried out um and this was the first attempt to kind of draft commander um smaller decks theory you know because you're, yeah, you're doing 60 card decks. decks um because you know the draft can take forever but but that was the idea and so you needed to still have archetypes and you wanted to have multiple ways to support them and our so captain vargas wrath lets you fill one of those by being yeah. kind of a pirate lord now an orc pirate lord yep. which is cool to see orcs having jobs just yeah, like being captains. Yep, being captains. <laughs> but I mean, it's just like the goblins. It's typically you get your orcs and your goblins, and they're just like 
cannon fodder for the bad guys to throw in the hero's way and it's so it's nice to to have the, that characterization especially magic for a very long time has had goblins but orcs in the first few sets were represented really poorly they just had a bunch of weird drawbacks and things and so yep. orcs just never really showed never really gotten and i know a lot of people on. want want and, a lot more representation for orcs and we just so, haven't gotten it yeah, I mean, I, I think really Cons of Tarkir was the first time in, in Modern Magic where they went back and said, no, we're going to bring orcs and we're going to make orcs and just make them people. And here, yeah. here are orcs that do this thing and here are orcs over here because there were orcs in a couple different clans. Um, and so it was it was nice to see. And now this is just kind of Ixalan, I, I, I believe, it did that. And so it's just kind of widening that out, which is really nice. I the next one's a sad, kind of tragic, but hilarious thing, which is another pirate. Yep. Uh, Argo the Shipwrecker. Speaking of, of people and having jobs. Yeah, he's a giant pirate. Giant pirate. <laughs> he's also a giant. And he really, really wanted to join a pirate crew, but declined because he was too big and the ship couldn't hold him. Dargo had a dream, however, and would not be discouraged. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, yeah, the ship he was on encountered a storm and then buckled under his weight. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, but, like he like tried to tear part of the ship apart, which is why the captain who was like, "Oh, cool, <laughs> like you, you, yes, yeah. we'll take you on." <laughs> yeah. Do you notice? Well, and then it says uh, he is still waiting for rescue because he found a nearby island. Yeah. <clears throat> Even though several passing ships have already attempted to save him and sank in the process. Do you it's notice so in the sad. background of his art, there is a shipping, there's a sinking ship? Yep. It, and he's holding a, he's holding tragic. what's probably a, a ship's prow on his in one hand. And and a, and a lobster, <laughs> which lobster. if we're looking at scale is like a huge lobster. Yeah. Scale lobster instead of a scale bird. <laughs> oh, poor Darko. So we got another familiar which I'm also excited to talk about. Because... Yep, I, yeah, I know you and you're familiar. So I was already ready. We actually you know have, back to back, we have back to back familiars. Yeah, you know, you know me and and my animals and little little critters and being excited about them. Um, yeah, Sior, ideal familiar. Need to go somewhere? Sior will fly you there. Trying to cast a spell? Sior will help channel your magic. Need to confide in someone? Sior is a great listener. Um, I love this. It's like, indeed, any wizard would be thrilled to head into battle with Essior by their side. But if you wish to borrow her strength, there is something you must understand. To Essior, you're her familiar. I love it. It's just, oh, it's great. And Essior is this wonderful little, little uh, bird. bird, but like an bird. owl looking thing, but not quite yeah. an owl. Like, it's, yeah. it's just a sweet, sweet, loving. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I love that. Familiar mechanic in just the fact that they're legendary, the idea that familiars are legendary, which is mm -hmm. is new, yes. is really cool. That's true. Like, these are the really first like legendary that. familiars. Like these are mm -hmm. not just your run of the mill house cat. Like this is Felthris Shadow Cat, a specific yeah. cat that channels dark magic and is also a very cute kitty. <laughs> Might give you some malignant mutations, but you know. I was like, I like the fact that this is this is what you're going to describe as cute. So, you know, we're, we're being generous. I just the <laughs> oh, oh, I actually like that flavor text. She sticks to her chosen master closer than their own shadows. <laughs> get it, Shadow Cat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Yep. 
gives your commander <laughs> menace and death touch, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, I didn't really have anything to say for Gen, except I like enchantment uh, stuff. It's kind of well, cool to have a black and white. Red. Yeah. Yeah. A black, white, red enchantment commander is definitely. Um, is cool because it, yeah. it did open up kind of a um so this is one of those that mechanically opens up an archetype for mm-hmm. those three colors there's a lot of black white there's a lot of like bant enchantress yeah. things but it's kind of cool to add red in there and yeah and see what you can i mean you know and the idea too is this this really wants enchantments that you're able to also like sacrifice which yep. is a cool idea like it's um so you can sacrifice an enchantment to return enchantment so battlefield yeah which i just so, like, literally noticing right now that it was hand <laughs> Yes. No, no. It's to, yeah. it's to the battlefield. So you get to swap out. And so there's some enchantments that are good once they've been destroyed or that have, there's even the ones that have effects that they need to, you know, it's like when they go to the graveyard, you get another effect or, I mean, there's yeah. ways to well, play with it. So you've got to tap them, but there are, you've got to tap him, but there is also ways to kind of take advantage to like turn off things yourself by sacking them and swapping them out or turn them on at yep. specific timing. Yep. that's okay that's a lot more interesting I, I thought it was interesting to begin with as a deck building but that's a lot more than i was thinking yep. i might have to i'm gonna have to build that deck i was thinking about it anyway but yeah man. see this is why we do this show yeah I'll, so far i've heard you like i think you're on like um i think cool. you're on like I'm, six decks or something I'm like. definitely building um a, a, a verna i'm definitely building oh i can't think of her name the the banch dragon from the last episode and that deck, I'm just going to call a few of my favorite things in honor of her and, and her collection of, of stuff. <laughs> um, that's probably going to be a promo deck, actually, because I, I do that every so often. I I like to collect promo cards, and uh, I have a promo cube that actually... I'd love the dichotomy of this episode where you just yeah. told us how you don't like foils. I, <laughs> like, I don't really I like, like foils. It's, it's a I little a, much. I have I a promo cube. cube. Which mm-hmm. isn't all foils, and especially nowadays, there's a lot more non-foil promos, which I'm really happy about. Yeah, um, you got you you've gotten a lot of. Uh, but so, ways yeah, I, I I may end up just building that all my shiny deck, and that and I actually got an etched foil of 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 the dragon too in in one of my packs. So, would you get that as like, like a destiny? Yeah, um, Galarna G- Galanra, color of the wirewood, more elves because once again, elves is another archetype. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, now this one is an interesting one. It's it's an elf that wants you to cast spells of six or greater. Yeah, I know that when I've been looking at trying to build like around, this is kind of an interesting idea because historically, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you, this this taps for mana, kind of like the elves that we. It's a one two taps for mana. Yep. It, it, but to cast something six or greater is really not what you associate with elves. Now it does have partner, unless but, you're casting tough. Right, but like it's like one. Like, do you want to draw a card? Yeah, yeah and do you want to draw a card? You want to draw a card with both. You just want to end the game at that point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is interesting this, too. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, I kind of cut you up. But like to to go along with what you're talking about, the mechanics, the flavor text really fits that. Something mighty stirs in the forest. Can't you feel it? Really fits into that Galarna doing stuff with um, big things, large creatures. Yeah, like but, calling basically large creatures because coming from the wirewood, which is, yep. you know, uh, a forest on Dom, you know, which is kind of, uh, it's located on Dominaria. Yep. But like, what I think is really interesting about that, and and maybe I'm skipping a little ahead of you, but 
that mechanic and that flavor text doesn't fit the story block that we get at all. It has nothing to do with Galarna doing stuff with big things. Yeah. All, and I, I yeah. love the story. It's it's all about Galarna seeing that uh, the, the Phyrexian dev- invasion devastated a lot of Dominaria and many elves lost their families and their homes. So Galarna decided to go on a journey, specifically traveling the world, to tell elves that the wire wood had plenty of room for new residents. And then when these immigrants arrived, he made it his mission to personally welcome every new elf who showed up in the forest. I love that's a story that I think we really need in the year 2020 about a person who specifically seeks out and welcomes immigrants because their homes were destroyed and he wants them to have a place to live. And like, you know, timing wise, it's kind of uh, interesting because we don't know when the stories were written versus when they came, yeah. you know, like they obviously had the characters in mind because they named them and did all the, the card part. But uh, yeah. the fire in a very invasion, as we've said before, could be a very good um, analog to living in a pandemic right now. Yes. And it happened. I mean, like if you want to talk about timeline of the actual storyline, too, that was a good at least number of decades. I can't remember how long that, though that was 70, 80 years. I, 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 I'm all mixed up on the timeline, but it's been a while. I mean, for elves, they're probably still around. Not a, Right, right. Like, like for humans, it's been yeah, a long for, time. It's been a long yeah. time, but this, this probably took place around then. And then, you know, we've moved on with the storyline. So since that time, Galarna has, has been in the force and that may, ex- you know, maybe not explain, but this is hand wavy you know, kind of talking about why his mechanics and stuff may not fit that story beat, where it's like, here's a significant story beat for him. But since then, there have been things going on in the Wirewood, and that's why his mechanics are doing this other thing. Yeah. Um, now, the next character we talked about uh, last time a little bit, uh, because they, they it was because the way that you said that it had been, uh, the way that the articles had been split, because we had, uh, this is Glaceon Powerstone Engineer, um, and this takes us back to the Thran Empire, which is kind of a, a cool element that we've wanted. To, we've talked a lot about that, even on our sci-fi episode, kind of being able to like find where the Thran kind of are and just the outpost. And there's just there's a lot of cool things to be done with story-wise potentially here. Um, now, Glaceon is dead, <laughs> um, and we talked last time because his wife is Rebecca, who was somebody that we really played a part in the. The storyline involving kind of Yagmoth and kind of the whole Brothers War and Phyrexia. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. And, and that was another one where it's like the partner thing is interesting because now you can have the husband and wife. Um, another interesting piece of story for Glaceon is it's, you know, I don't know that it's even suggested so much of it's is it's not subtext so much as it's actual text. He had a Planeswalker Spark. A Planeswalker Spark, which ended up put into the might stone and power stones that urza used so urza probably didn't have his own spark he was using glaceon spark so you just wanted to just say that urza again is awful urza is terrible i mean (laughs) that particular aspect isn't his own fault that particular aspect has more to do with um yagmoth to be honest like yagmoth like trying to become the yagmoth of the time like trying to do all these terrible things and take over the Thrawn Empire and like yeah yeah and he tried to he, he implanted power stones which um that's what yeah. Glaceon worked on and then like tried to like put yeah. them Glaceon into his body and sick because of these power stone things and and uh, Yagmoth was experimenting with them and so 
that is what kind of led to his death. Um, from what I remember, I did read the book, the throne, but it's been a little while. Maybe I'm misremembering this, but I believe Rebek used the, st- the might stone and the, the weak stone to seal yep. the portal to yep. um, Phyrexia. Yeah. Which then were, that's what was later discovered by yep. Urza and Mishra. And- yep. And they each got one of the stones and that led to the brothers war. And then eventually Urza got both stones. And then that yep. led to him using that spark to do all of the Urza things that, we often talk about that he yeah yeah, yeah. I, I will say like this is this is tangenting a little bit we actually had a, a, a pretty good discussion yesterday in the discord for uh, the <laughs> um for the cast and it's always open to people uh the, the only channels that are locked is for uh the new recordings come up ideally early for our patreons but um we had a discussion of who's worse bolus versus um urza mm-hmm. and you know the the final line that it might have come down to, which I thought was great, was uh, uh, I think it was Carl in our in our uh, that said um, basically, um, Bolus failed, which is the only reason that Bolus might not be worse. <laughs> I missed that conclusion. Yeah. I, I was watching that conversation, but I missed that piece. The conclusion basically oh. was yeah, like potentially like Bolus failed, and Ooh. I was like, well, that's sad, but also a little true that's yeah 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 they said urza but only because bolus failed i mean become omnipotent ruler of the multiverse is pretty textbook the worst although the souls bombs and zot have to be weighed against you you know the elder spell so <laughs> there was oh, yeah. there was really good discussion in there about stuff that we it was funny because they were it was there was a good mirroring of the discussions that we've had before about uh kind of the, the fact that Urza brought along a planeswalker and just to like have that planeswalker betray them so yeah. he could kill them. So that he could yeah. kill them and justify it. Yeah. And that was brought up in the conversation. I did see that too. Yeah. It's, so, but the final discussion was basically Urza's worse only because he failed. And I was like, oh, yeah. And that's our show for today. You can find the host on Twitter. HobbsQ can be found at HobbsQ. And Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore Comicler. Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobsmug, the cast can be found at Patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod. Opening and closing music by Vindergotten, who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten or online at Vindergotten.Bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael, who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raphael. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Tipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you all for listening, and remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs>